Welcome to the Practical Growth Podcast. I'm your host, E.B. Johnson, top writer on Medium.com, published author, and master practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming. You've landed on the podcast that takes you on a journey into the heart of relationships and self-discovery. This is a must listen for those who are ready to overcome their toxic relationships and their toxic patterns. You can expect real talk, practical guidance, and raw and relatable guests that you'll be talking about for weeks. Let's get into it. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another great episode of the Practical Growth Podcast. It is me, your favorite host, E.B., your favorite TikTok narc talk creator and medium.com writer. Today's episode is one that's been asked and asked and asked for. I've had so many requests, mostly on TikTok, so I'm finally doing it. We're going to do, I'm not going to call it so much of a deep dive as a kind of precursory skim on uh, narcissistic families, but not just any narcissistic family, my loves. America's first narcissistic family, the Kardashians. That's right. We're going to be talking about the Kardashian family, specifically within the context of a toxic or a narcissistic family. Do we think that they're toxic or narcissistic? Potentially. I'm going to break it down. We're going to examine it. We're going to take a look at our own families and see what similar patterns we can find there. Just before we jump in, I just want to say, wow, huge thank you to all the applicants who have recently applied for my eight-week private coaching program. You guys have really blown me out of the water. Uh, I'm so excited, and I cannot wait to work with so many of you. Um, if you do want to set yourself up for success in 2023, you can join the waiting list for my eight-week private coaching program. This is an NLP program that is neurolinguistic programming, and it is aimed specifically at narcissistic abuse survivors and people who want to reprogram their own toxic behaviors. This is all about learning new thought systems, new patterns for yourself, and creating very quickly new behaviors that change the quality of your life. So if you want 2023 to feel better than 2022 did, if you want to learn how to ditch so much of this anxiety, uh, so much of this self-doubt, so much of this kind of terror that you've been living under, then you need to work with me. Um, and to do that, you have to apply. So head to therealebjohnson.com slash working with me if you want to apply today. All right, jump in. Let's get let's get into it. Let's do it. Um, the Kardashian family, the Kardashian family. I get so many requests on TikTok for information on the Kardashian family, because as it turns out, um, there are a lot of you out there who see specific patterns within that family that you have noticed within your own families, especially for those of you who have jumped onto a healing journey, who realized maybe you had narcissistic parents or narcissistic siblings, and you're seeing some of those similar things in your favorite Kardashian or maybe a Kardashian you don't like so much. Before I can really explain to you, though, what, uh, you know, what's actually potentially going on, what you might be observing in their family or even in your own family, we first have to really understand what a narcissistic family actually is. Because really, honestly, that word narcissist gets used so much these days that like, who even knows, right? Who actually knows what it means to be a narcissist or a narcissistic family? Well, uh, I do. Um, these narcissistic families have specific traits to look out for, right? We're not just talking about 
a grandiose mom or dad who tend to be a bit of a jerk. That's not what we're talking about here. A narcissistic family system is very complex. And at the same time, it's very, very kind of subtle sometimes in the way that it programs its members and the way that it is able to perpetuate the cycles of abuse that keep everyone trapped inside of it. In general, there are eight kind of facets to a narcissistic family. There are eight kind of traits that really make a narcissistic family a narcissistic family. And this is it. This is what you need to look for in the narcissistic family. First, you have really, 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 really toxic enmeshment. Okay. And enmeshment is within that family, you have a total lack of boundaries and personal autonomy. All right. Because you've got the narcissist at the top of the family tree and whatever they want, whatever they are trying to use the family to create, to project, um, they demand that completely. And for them to have that, there has to be a lack of boundaries and a lack of personal autonomy, right? They cannot allow the children to be alone, to talk alone, to have their own identity, to have their own opinions, to have their own thoughts, to have privacy in which they can build those thoughts. Okay. So there's this toxic enmeshment. It's not a closeness. It's not a closeness. It's this overwhelming control that seeps into every facet of every member's life. Next, there is pseudo mutuality. And this very often gets confused with enmeshment, but it's a little bit different. And in the narcissistic family, pseudo mutuality is this. Um, it is this projection of this very close, very loving, very tender family. But then behind closed doors, what you actually find is there's a total lack of emotional closeness. Okay, no one's actually emotionally close. They don't really love, 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 love each other. Um, they don't enjoy being silly together. They don't really spend a lot of close emotional time opening up to one another, being vulnerable with one another, because it's not really safe. Those things are used for power. They're used for control and they're used for punishment in the narcissistic family. But at the same time, right, you have these narcissists at the top, the mother, the father, perhaps both, whoever the caretakers are. You have these narcissists who see this family as an item. The children are items and the family as a whole is an item. And what these things are created for is a to protect the narcissist, um, to make them look like they are a normal, loving, perfect, happy member of society. And then B, it's also to provide a certain kind of social credit. So the narcissist needs the family to look however they want that family to look. They need that family to act however they want that family to act. Uh, and for them to do that, they use pseudo mutuality. That is a part of the game. They use that family to project. So maybe they go to church all the time. They're really involved in the school. Um, and from everyone on the outside looking in your small town, your family looks really, really, really close. But then when you go home, you're fighting with each other. You don't trust each other. There's emotional abuse and a, again, a lack of closeness because there's a lack of safety. Thirdly, in the narcissistic family, you have to look for low emotional integrity. Okay. No one feels emotionally safe because no one in the family is emotionally trustworthy. Uh, secrets get shared amongst members as a joke, as passive aggressive, um, hurt as punishment, there is no opening up or being vulnerable with anybody else, as I mentioned before, because it's not safe. That will get used against you at a later date. So everyone in the family learns to be emotionally closed off in their own way. They learn not to share big things in case they get punished for sharing those big, scary or emotionally important things with one another. 
No one is trustworthy, so there's no emotional integrity. Fourth, you see a high level of manipulation. There's so much manipulation because no one actually feels safe behind closed doors. They learn how to manipulate in order to get the things that they want. Maybe they learn how to do a certain action before they ask a certain person, or they might learn to use their bodies as a means to soften someone in order to get what they want. Okay, there's a there's a lot of different things that you learn in the narcissistic family because very quickly uh, as a child in a narcissistic family, you learn that coming up and just being forward and asking for things forwardly um, is not safe because you may ask the wrong question and then you get punished for it. So again, manipulation is how people learn to get what they want and need in a narcissistic family. And the narcissists manipulate, you know, to get what they want out of everyone around them as well. So it's learned behaviors you can see members too. Now, the fifth kind of sign you want to look for is triangulation. This is another interesting uh, feature, which you see a lot in these narcissistic families. And triangulation is basically this two in one out dynamic, which is used in order to maintain instability and to maintain power for the narcissist on top. Malignant narcissists love to use this with siblings, right? Um, A narcissistic parent will pit siblings against one another in order to a get the projection that they want out of the children, but also B, to get the children to fight against one another uh, and to therefore come back to the parent to rely a lot on the parent to destabilize the relationship of the children so that they can't recognize patterns and stand up to the parent. You see this triangulation usually done with a parent maybe creating some drama between one sibling and another or two siblings and another. Again, it's all about creating instability. It's important to note, though, that this triangulation, especially when you look at the example of my own family, can be used by the narcissistic parents in order to get the desired results they want out of their children. Uh, Narcissistic parents see their children as accessories, as direct extensions of themselves. So the child has to be whatever that parent wants. If that parent has decided that they needed like this little Barbie doll with blonde hair and pink dresses. That's what they expect the daughter to grow into. And if she doesn't, there's going to be a problem, right? If a narcissistic parent isn't getting the result that they want out of their child, then they will often use the other children if there are other siblings around in order to get that. So again, you can look at the case of my family. My mother would often say, oh, well, look how good your brother's doing. He's a straight A student. When he was your age, he was doing this and he was doing that in order to encourage me to do the same. And she would do that with my brothers as well. They would look at me doing well. They would see something that she would do for me. And they would say, oh, look, she's your favorite. You do all these things for her. And she would never discourage it because it created competition between us. And she enjoyed seeing that competition because it made us strive for achievements outside of the home in order to prove our worth as like the best sibling. And she loved to use that against us. Now, number six, the sixth sign you want to look for in this narcissistic family is you want to look for low mental and emotional stability. You know, this feels like walking on eggshells. You never know what's safe, what's not safe, what you're supposed to be doing, what you're not supposed to be doing. Because even though narcissists might have a very specific example for how they want people to live their lives, they're also incredibly personalized, right? They're looking around constantly at the environment, taking everything personal. And that creates a lot of conflict. They see every mistake their children makes as a, you know, an instant rejection or an instant personal attack. So there's a lot of conflict that's going on and members within that family don't feel safe. So they learn to kind of just walk on eggshells all the time. Um, and they become exhausted by the, by the process. Number seven, you want to look for 
uh, role setting. You want to look for role setting. And that is the casting of family members into various roles. If you are not new to narcissistic families, then you will be familiar with some of these. If you're not, then this is your chance to, you know, hear hear a little bit more about them. And then you can go and do some deep dives by yourself. But the role casting is very common in the narcissistic family. And that involves putting the members in roles in order for the narcissist to gain whatever projection or power that they want. Um, You'll have heard of the golden child, right? There's usually a child. If there's multiple siblings, there's a child who's cast into the golden child role. This is the favored child, the child who gets away with the most and who usually grows up to be, you know, not dissimilar to the narcissist in a lot of their behaviors. You also have the scapegoat, right? That's the kid who gets blamed for everything. It's usually the youngest or the most emotionally vulnerable person because they're the one who's willing to take it on and take those hits to their self-esteem. You also have the invisible child, which is very similar to the black sheep, who is someone who is outcast from the family. Um, But you can also end up, you know, with the wild child, um, with the enabler, There's usually some kind of enabling going on in the family so that the narcissist is able to get away with their behavior. There's lots of different roles, and these roles will change from time to time um, according to what the narcissist needs or according to what benefits their family members or children are able to give them. And last but not least, in the narcissistic family, you want to look for two or more narcissists who are working in tandem at the top. They run the family, and it's usually... The way I like to describe it to my clients and to my followers is it works a bit like a pride of lions, okay? In the narcissistic family, it's a bit like a pride of lions. The the predators at the top, they're both predators, right? They're both very, very dangerous, but usually you have one who has a bit more power for seemingly no reason um, and another one who's a bit more of an enabler. And both of these people can be toxic and abusive in their own rights. And those dynamics will change when the other one's around when the other one's not around. But the enabler normally offers up justifications for whatever the more abusive narcissist does in the relationship. Oh, your father didn't mean that. He loves you very much. He's just very tired because he has to work very hard. So that's why he hits you and we have to let him. Right. That's what you would find from the enabler. And then you'll have the other narcissist who calls most of the shots, you know, takes the reins of control and does most of the terrorizing in the family. And this can be a narcissist of any sort. It doesn't just have to be a grandiose narcissist. It can also be a covert or a vulnerable narcissist as well. Okay, so then, you know, how do we tie all this in? So many of you that come to me asking me questions about the Kardashian family. um, How do we tie all this in? Well, I always tell people, if you're looking for signs that you or someone else may have come from a narcissistic family, there are two things you want to look for. First, you want to look at the pattern of interpersonal relationships. What are your relationships like? What are your romantic relationships like? What are your friendships like? How easy is it for you to get close to people? What are you like when you get close to people and they make you happy? They make you sad? You want to look at the quality of the relationships that you have or that the person you're observing has. You want to look at the length of those relationships and you want to look at the volatility of those relationships. Was there a lot of drama? Was there not a lot of drama? Were people being lied to? Were they not being lied to, et cetera? Second, when you are, you know, considering narcissistic family patterns in someone, you have to look at their personal projections. Look at their personal projections. Do they have a high sense of self-esteem? How do they project that self-esteem? How do they behave within that self-esteem? Is there a lot of insecurity going on? Do they have a confident, stable, clear, consistent 
sense of self. And that doesn't mean that someone doesn't change their style. Everyone changes their style. You want to look at that core sense of self. Is this someone who is like self-possessed? Someone who is like experimented, worked hard, knows who they are, and is just having fun with their life and the creativity of being human? Or are we looking at someone who's very insecure, who chases partners, who changes themselves from partner to partner to partner in order to seemingly gain some kind of validation or some kind of love, performing for love? And that is where so many of you, you know, have made these observations, very similar observations. You've come to this, you know, understanding that perhaps we are looking at, you know, a family who has some of these similar narcissistic family patterns. Certainly, if you break it down and you look at the relationships of the Kardashian children, there's a lot to question there, right? Because let's just, if we're just even just talking about the girls, for even just talking about Kim, Courtney, Chloe, Kylie, Kendall, okay? Even if we're just talking about the girls, let's look at their relationships. Even though they are some of the most beautiful and wealthiest women in the entire world with access to some of the greatest therapies we could ever imagine, so many of them still tend to have terrible, crappy, short-term relationships, They've had volatile relationships with toxic men who are nasty to them, who are abusive, who are manipulative. They have these like corrosive relationships with men who are like controlling, domineering. Despite being these incredible women, these beautiful women who could have literally any caliber of man they want in the world, they pick men who like don't even respect them enough to be faithful. They pick these men who cheat, 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 cheat because they do not care about these women. And they take pride in humiliating them. What you also see, which can be quite alarming, is you see a very significant and drastic change in aesthetic from person to person. I now I don't know per, I don't know any of the Kardashians personally. I cannot tell you anything about their personalities or their behaviors behind closed doors. Um, but it is very interesting that you see such a big aesthetic change based on the person that they're dating, right? Because in a narcissistic family, as a child of a narcissist, you have to perform for love. You have to look a certain way, act a certain way. Maybe you have to have a certain career in order for your parent to maybe not love you, but to give you affection to give you that positive validation and reinforcement and support that you're really, 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 really hardwired and hungry for as a child of someone. Right. So that's very interesting because even Kim has said in interviews, Oh, I didn't want to do playboy. My mom forced me to do playboy. She said I had to do this and it would look a certain way. And we've seen it on the show. We've seen Chris try to force the children to have children or to get married or to do certain jobs that they didn't want to do that, you know, weren't necessary. So when you look at the relationships of the Kardashian children, you see interesting patterns. It's very similar to our own patterns. Um, You know, it's very humanizing because in them we can see these similar patterns. And, you know, when there are volatile romantic relationships, you got to trace it back to childhood because this is where we learn how to navigate so much of these romantic relationships, how to set boundaries, how to communicate, stand up for ourselves, um, support each other, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So if we don't get those healthy examples in childhood in our families and our parents, 
then we will just keep repeating those same patterns in our adult relationships. Next, I, I know I've, I've probably had thousands of comments on TikTok. Maybe it's hundreds. Maybe it's thousands of comments on TikTok about the sibling relationships between the Kardashians and the patterns that you can see in this sibling relationships between the Kardashians. Now, a lot of you see your own sibling relationships reflected in those relationships. And a lot of you have discovered this as you're healing from narcissistic family abuse, because you you're starting to see the triangulation, right? That lack of emotional closeness, the toxic competitiveness. And there's even like levels of physical violence, isn't there? And these are all things that we have seen and seen and seen time and time and time and time again in the Kardashian relationships. You know, they sit there on stage or in front of the camera or, you know, on Instagram. They tell us how desperately close they are to one another. Um, and certainly they will have information on one another. And certainly they keep very tight ranks in order to protect the name and their children and, and things like that. But you can tell that there is a substantial amount of emotional closeness in the way they speak to one another and the passive aggressive threats that are made to one another um, in the way they act toward one another, even in the good times, right? There's a kind of emotional, a lack of emotional closeness between them. Um, and when you see this very often in your own narcissistic families, what you will see in behind this emotional closeness, it's that pseudo mutuality. It's that enmeshment. Okay. It's that lack of mental and emotional stability playing out. And last but not least, um, the pattern that gets brought up the most by so many of my viewers and so many of my listeners is this pattern of accessorizing, of objectifying the children. Okay, we've seen this a lot with Kris Jenner. And the, there were so many of you that brought, um, you know, Rob Kardashian's journals uh, post-divorce to Chris. Um, who brought those to my attention. And you see a very, very clear pattern of a mother who strove for a very, very specific life. Chris Jenner wanted a specific life. And I'm not saying that's either good nor bad. Um, everyone is entitled to want whatever quality of life that they want. Um, but what you see within this is that the children being used potentially time and time again in order to further that goal. Okay, for Chris. And it's interesting because there was an interview I just watched a few days ago. And if you're on TikTok, you will have seen this. Um, there was an interview quite a while back that Kim did. And she was talking about being in Playboy and how she didn't want to do it. And her mother said, no, you will do it. You have to do it. You're going to do it. Um, you're going to be gross one day. So make sure you have pictures of when you're hot. And this will be great for your career. And you've, we've seen this with Chloe. Okay, we've seen this with Kylie, we've seen this with Kendall, we've seen on screen all of them being pressured about their bodies, about having certain looks, doing certain things. Um, and it's not uncommon to see patterns like that in a narcissistic family because the parents objectify and accessorize their children. Their children are seen as a direct extension of them. They're not autonomous people. They are accessories, they are objects, they're a Birkin bag that is basically bought and sold the narcissistic parents like well i had you i brought you into this world you be grateful for life so you do what i tell you period even if that doesn't align to the child's true happiness and then go one step further a truly narcissistic parent cannot afford for their child to be fully autonomous to have that fully deep and stable relationship with self because if the child had that relationship with self they might be something different 
than what the narcissistic parent wants. They might hold different standards. They might hold that parent to account. They might say no. They might break from the abuse, break from the fold. So a narcissistic parent has to mold that child, has to take away that sense of autonomy, has to control their thoughts, has to influence every aspect of their inner and outer life. So that is how they they use this child in the world. And many of you have pointed out that... When you look at the Kardashian family, you see a similar pattern. You potentially see a mother who sees her children more as tools in a larger game than she does actual independent, autonomous people deserving of being fully, radically, authentically themselves in whatever way they need to do that. So what does this mean for us? Well... It means a little, it means, it means a little and it means a lot, right? Um, none of us probably knows the Kardashians personally, okay? We don't really know what goes on behind closed doors. The only thing we know are the stories that they sell to magazines through their PR people. Um, and we know what we see on TV and all of those things are going to be warped, twisted and projected. Um, but when you do see certain things like relationship patterns, you can, you can take notes, you can take notes and you can apply them to your own life. You can look for patterns in your life and you can dig in and start to heal those patterns in your own life. Because that's the only time that, you know, this kind of celebrity worship is potentially valuable. It's only valuable when you're looking at them as real people. Okay. You need to understand that they are literally no different than you. They have the same crappy relationships the same twisted programming and hangups. They make all the same ridiculous mistakes that the rest of us make because we're just a bunch of traumatized little kids walking around without the full emotional developmental support and love of our parents that we needed from the jump. And we can see that and we can take that home. We can take that into our own lives and we can improve. Okay. That is the benefit. That is where you can you know, take a positive gain out of these toxic celebrities and the way they oversaturate our media and try to dictate and control the narratives around even our own bodies. Okay. You can start seeing them for what they are and you can start taking note of their patterns and using that to empower improvement in your own life. Right. That's going to be it for this episode. I hope you loved it. I hope you heard something in there that struck home that inspired you, that motivated, that pushed you, that um, gave you some hope or maybe just kind of enlightened you a bit, shed some, shed some light, illuminated a path or a pattern that you're already on, that you're already stuck in, that you're dealing with. That's always the goal here. We're always trying to illuminate, 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 illuminate. I illuminate you and then you can illuminate the world around you. That's how it works. All right. If you loved the episode, please don't forget to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a quick five-star review. Um, Let them know what you loved about the episode. Let them know what you love about the show, um, how it's helped you. Once that review is live, if you take a screenshot and send it to me, I'll give you a free ebook. Yep. You can pick any free ebook from my store. Uh, It really is that simple. So if you want to get a free ebook, don't forget to leave a five-star review of the Practical Growth Podcast over on Apple Podcasts. For everyone else, keep following me on medium.com and on TikTok, and we will keep uncovering the truth together. Until next time, keep your heads up, keep your eyes on the stars, keep moving forward. Bye-bye.